And uh, I'll tell you a joke real quick. <clears throat> read this story not long ago <clears throat> about a man who took his Rottweiler to the vet. So he took his Rottweiler to the vet, and he said to the vet, he said, listen, my dog is cross-eyed. And said, <coughs> is there anything that you can do to fix that? Listen, there's going to be an application there, all right? He said, is there anything you can do to fix that? My dog's cross-eyed. So the vet looked at him and said, well, let's take a look. He <coughs> said, so the vet picked up the dog, and he has a look at him, and he said, the vet looks at the guy, and he says, well, I'm going to have to put him down. He said, you're going to have to put him down just because he's cross-eyed? He said, no, because he's heavy. And that, nobody got that, did they? Did anybody get that? Did anybody get that? So the vet said, so the vet said, let's look at him. And so the vet picks the dog up, and he says, hey, I'm going to look at his eyes. So he picked him up and said, he said, very clearly, well, I'm going to have to put him down. And he said, you're going to have to put him down just because he's cross-eyed? He said, no, because he's heavy. And the problem is with a lot of our lives is oftentimes we look at good things for us and we view them and we say they're too big for us. And we, we just want to put them down because the task is too big for any of those things. And I believe that will be applicable this morning. And so turn with me if you got your Bibles to the book of Mark. Chapter number two, Mark chapter number two. <coughs> we'll find our text there, and I got a scratch in my throat, and I can't get it out. Mark chapter number two this morning, and uh, verse number one. We'll find our text there if you feel like it. Let's stand, reverence the word of God. The Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum. After some days it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let him down, let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain scribes, certain of the scribes, sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why do this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may have may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thy house. And immediately he arose, he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, We've never seen it on this fashion. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. You can be seated. Lord, we need your help. I pray to God that you would help us in every manner this morning. I pray, God, you'd help little ears here. You'd have big ears here, Lord. And you'd help each all, Lord, understand the Scripture this morning. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> As we come to our text this morning, I'm reminded of a few texts that Christ said himself. Jesus said in, Matthew, in, in John chapter 15 and verse 14, he said, You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Does that know what he said? 
Luke chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible says... Let me ask you this question first, though. Would you be a friend to Jesus? Would you be a friend to Jesus? He said, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He said in Luke chapter 14, verse 23, he said, Go out into all the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. This morning we could probably all say we have friends, family, and member, or people we know, acquaintances, who are lost and they're in sin. And I believe we ought to be winning them to the Lord this morning and winning them to church. Amen. And so I, I come to you this morning. It's Memorial Day. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And I, I believe there's one thought, according to a military term, and it says very clearly in the military term, and, and Memorial Day is not just for that, but it is in, in specifics. And they say no one gets left behind. Is that right? No one gets left behind. They never let nobody get left behind. And so I'm going to preach this thought. Friends don't leave friends behind. Friends don't leave friends behind. I want you to notice three thoughts with me this morning according to our text. I want you to notice, number one, that these friends marveled Jesus. They marveled Jesus. The Bible says in verse 1, And again he entered into the Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of war. So so it was standing room only, right? As soon as Jesus showed up, it was standing room. There was only standing room. There wasn't even room in the door. And so, and so by the way, that, 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 always, that always happens whenever Jesus gets in the house. Amen. And so, so there wasn't, there, this wasn't a large, it wasn't a beautiful church with a high steeple. It, wasn't, it didn't have stained glass windows. It didn't have any of those things. But this was an ordinary house that becomes heaven. Amen. I mean, it's a common place, and it become to co- it became a consecrated place. It's it's a parcel, but but it became a palace. Amen. I mean, it, it, it's a dwelling, but divinity showed up in it. Amen. And so Jesus begins to preach to them, and the Word of God opens the Word of God to preach the Word of God. Think about that. Everybody, get that real quick. I mean, and so suddenly there came a movement around the, the, the place there. And there came something around there. And, and there came a movement in the ceiling. And a small hole above, appeared above Jesus. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was just began to grow. And then four men are seen looking in over that in the hole. And they see Jesus. These four friends were something else, weren't they? Even to Jesus, they were marveling Him. And think about it, as Jesus looked up, maybe He marveled them and said, What in the world are people doing looking in the roof? But they were this. Before they could marvel the King, 
They had to have an interest in the man that was in that bed. And in order for these men to do what they did to get their friend to Jesus, they must have had a great interest in him. And maybe they grew up together in the same neighborhood. Maybe they come up together in the same church. Maybe they had gone to school together. Maybe they played sports together. I don't know, but whatever the case may be, they took great interest in this man's well-being. And the text indicates that this man's shameful physical condition was a result of sinful spiritual condition. Isn't that crazy? That was what the result was. I know I've said it oftentimes, it doesn't always happen that way. And it's true, it doesn't, but sometimes it will. Because notice in verse 5 where the Bible says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. <clears throat> so this man did sin. It's something, and it could be an implication, I don't know. But his condition may have been result of personal sin. Could have been. But as with all that, there was sickness involved, and it was definitely a result of, uh, uh, it was definitely, it doesn't matter if it was personal sin, but nonetheless, it was a result, his sickness was a result of the original sin of Adam, right? We agree with that. And so, so then one day, these four friends begin to hear about Jesus, and it was noised in the area that Jesus was in the area, and they hear how they, that, that he had healed many uh, who were sick with various diseases, and so on and so on, and we read it um, in the ch- prior chapter. And because of this, they had great interest in their friend, and they wanted to make sure they got him to Jesus. They had a great interest in him. And then they had involvement in his life. Now the Bible says in verse 3, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. Doesn't mean he had four brethren. And they were in, they were the kind of friends who were not only interested in their friend's condition but they were also interested in the solution to the condition. This man couldn't get to Jesus by himself. I mean, he was crippled. He was paralyzed. He was helpless. And, and if he was to get anywhere, much less to the Lord Jesus, he needed someone to help him. And that is where these friends came into play here. We read it in our text. They got involved and they brought him to Jesus. Right? Right? I mean, they did for him what he couldn't do for himself to get him to the one who could do everything else for him. Someone once said there are three kinds of people in every church. Um, There are those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who don't know what happened. And that's the truth. And every person who is saved got saved because someone was interested in you and was invested in you. Someone got involved in your life. Think about it. Didn't someone believe believe for you? Didn't someone believe for you and pray for you? Before you believed, didn't someone believe for you? I mean, didn't someone pray for you before you could pray for yourselves? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of a great good Samaritan. And he tells that story to demonstrate how we are are to get involved even when people that we don't want anything to do with we're still to get involved with them. Isn't that crazy? 
There was the Jews and there were the Samaritans. Samaritans and they were rivals. Anybody ever studied on that? They were rivals is what they were. A strong line of division and lasting for hundreds of years. The Samaritans have been raised to hate Jews. And so a man was hurting. A man was hopeless. He was helpless. And he had been robbed. He had been beaten. He had been stripped. He had been humiliated. He had been left for dead. Literally. And a Levite saw him and he kept on walking because he probably thought if he touched him it would make him unclean. A priest come by and saw him and that priest didn't want to help him maybe because he didn't have the money to tithe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it was. So he, he wasn't going to fool around with him. Then a Samaritan sees him and although he had been raised to hate the Jews, he's moved with compassion, the Bible says. And he goes to help him, but in order to help him, you know what had to happen? He had to get involved. He had to get involved with the situation. He had to cross the road. Uh, He had to get out of his comfort zone uh, um, to help one that couldn't help himself. Uh, And we must have an interest uh, and involvement to invest in somebody's life. Friends don't leave friends behind. Friends don't leave friends behind. The friends marveled Jesus. Then I want you to notice the following met with Jesus. We have no idea how many were in attendance that day. Did it say that in the text? It did not say how many people. We know there were six. We know there were six because there were four that bore him. There were one on the bed and then there was Jesus. So we know there were six there. But, but for, we know that there, it, it was such a great following that many could not even close the door. Right? We know that to be the case. So there's three categories of people that think about it. There's probably three categories of people that were in this text. Probably more. But I'm going to tell you three. We, we notice in verse 34 of chapter 1 where the Bible says, And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Did you see who knew him? The devils knew him. The devils knew him. And so, so I believe in this text we can see a few people. We can see, number one, we can see a desperate people. We can see a desperate people. They were trying to close the door, right? Think about it. Think about it. In, in the previous chapter, Jesus drives out an unclean spirit and then proceeds to heal, heal a leper after that. And the idea is that the streets of the city were lined with people who were depressed and who were oppressed and who were suppressed. And, we, and as we come to Mark chapter number 2, word quickly spreads that Jesus is coming to town. And again, he enters into Capernaum. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. You know what it says? And it was noise that he was in the house. And we can't, we can't help but believe that, the, that many of these people had, had either been healed by Jesus or, or had heard about Jesus' following and they followed him to Capernaum. These people needed Jesus. You understand that, right? They knew that they needed Jesus. They were desperate. They were desperate. These people, desperate people. They were, de- they were dependent dependent people at this at this crowd wouldn't you say because five times it said that this man it refers to him as a paralytic it re, uh, a paralytic uh, it refers to him as a, or one who is sick of the palsy 
And, and so he was helpless. He was hopeless. And while others could make their way to Jesus, he had no physical strength to do so. Palsy was a disease that was totally crippling. It was a totally crippling disease, and it left its victims completely paralyzed. And so this man's he's paralyzed. He, conf- he was confined to his bed, right? They didn't have all the fancy stuff that we have today. And so, everybody listening, we have all of these things in this text. And this, they didn't, this man didn't have a wheelchair that rides around itself. He couldn't mobilize himself. So here he is in this, and, and we find here that, that, that they brought him to Jesus, and they were carrying his bed. He was unable to walk in his own power, because when Jesus healed him, he said, take up that bed, right? arise and take up that bed and go that way in thine house. And so this man was not only desperate, he was also dependent. I mean, he, he, not only was he help, hopeless, but he was helpless. He was helpless. I mean, he needed someone to do for him what he could not do for himself. And his greatest need was salvation. But in order for him to be saved, he had to get to Jesus. And in order for him to get to Jesus, he needed someone to take him. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you this morning, many of us would never know Jesus was it not for affliction and trouble. I know many people who wouldn't know Jesus had it not been for them being dead drunk on a bar stool. Billy Kelly tells her story. That's his story about it. No, I'm telling you is that. I'm not saying to do that because that's far from what you need to do. The best testimony you'll ever have is one that's never done it. Amen. But I tell you is that we find help and hope that we would have never found had we not been afflicted by something to get our attention. If you have a help, if you have a need, friend, I'm telling you this morning, you ought to run to Jesus. You ought to run to Jesus. You ought to run to Jesus fast this morning. Because Jesus is the only one that can help a desperate and a, and a, and a dependent person. Then we see in verse 5 and verse 6, everybody all right this morning? We see in verse 5 and verse number 6 where there's a doubting people. There's a doubting people. Every crowd is filled with skeptics, wouldn't you say? When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Every crowd is filled with skeptics and cynics. And this crowd was no different. Among the crowd that day was a group of religious people who who gave their comments, and they had just witnessed a great miracle, but they continued to question. They continued to question. And so, they, in verse 7, Why doeth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And so, so in other words, they had no concept of who Jesus was or what he came to do. All they could see was themselves. Without care without concern, without compassion for the desperate, for the dependent people. They had no care for that. They had no care for that at all. And I could just hear the whispers of all the doubters. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look at him laying there confined to his bed. I know it would catch up to him. I know his sin would find him out. I know that it would find him out. And Jesus needs to hurry up and do whatever he's going to do. Uh, we're going to be a late lunch. I'm just thinking. I can't help but wonder if this crowd hindered anyone else from getting to Jesus. By saying what they said. Think about it. I mean, I can't help but wonder if they hindered anyone else from being healed or being saved or being forgiven or being delivered. And I wonder, I wonder how many people have we hindered down through the years because of our actions of what we do. How many people have we hindered? You wonder why somebody won't get saved, but maybe you've hindered them every time. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you've allowed something else of your own pride to hinder somebody else from getting to Jesus. Maybe it's your fault. I'm just saying it truthfully this morning is that I wonder how many have we hindered from getting by our critical and condescending conduct or any of those things, careless comments that we make. Things don't matter as much if it comes to a soul. Things do not. It doesn't matter how dirty the nursery is. It doesn't matter how bad things smell or how cold it is. When it comes to hindering somebody getting saved, those things don't matter as much. Comments don't need to be made like they're made, even in this church. Comments don't need to be made. And I'm telling you something. I wonder how many people we've hindered because we're focused more on, 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 on our own way than the grace of God. I mean, think about it. In, in regards to those that hinder someone, someone has well said, how you see the problem may very well be the problem. How you see the problem may very well be the problem. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a hinderer. I do not want to be. I don't, I don't want my life to hinder somebody. I want to be a helper. I don't want to help people just get to church. I want to help people get to Christ. Uh, and friend, I'm telling you, I want to see them saved uh, and forgiven uh, and healed from all of their stuff. I want to see it. I want to see it. And these friends, I don't have as much choice. I don't have as much chance in things to happen. I'm up here. You're down there. I'm not saying that in a boastful manner. I'm saying that I don't, I, I don't move around. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not even able to take care of my kids or anything inside a church. It's, I, I can't. I'm, I, you know me. I'm, you see what I do here. Things are different. Actions, I just try to preach and try to teach the best I can. And I'm telling you something, is what these people did is they had friends that loved Jesus, they marveled at Jesus, they were amazed by Jesus, they were amazed by Jesus' works. Uh, and what they did in that day uh, is that they took their friend to Jesus. And the following did not like it, but the friends loved him. Amen, friend. Then I want you to notice number, number, number three, lastly, their faith moved Jesus. Now the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. Now whose faith is that? It doesn't say his faith in reference to the um, paralyzed man, but it clearly states that Jesus saw their faith. And, and a poor reference to the faith of these four friends. This is something serious. And we know that from previous accounts, Jesus would not have healed the man had it not been for his faith to be healed. But I tell you is that faith 
work without works is dead, being all. And so all the faith in the world was useless unless he got to the one who was the object of his faith. If he was not taken to Jesus, his faith would have not been any count. Do you understand that? I'm telling you something. He got to Jesus because friends uh, don't let friends, they don't leave them behind. They don't leave him behind. And he got to Jesus all because of these four friends. And Jesus saw their faith. What kind of faith do they have? Well, verse 3 implies to us, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. It was a compassionate faith. The word born is a word that expresses great emotion. And it carries the idea of sharing in someone else's experience or pain. And that's what it is. When these four men carried their friend. But not only did they do that, but they cared for their friend. And friend, they made the needs of their friend their own personal burden. One of the greatest tragedies of the church of today is that one preacher said that has become the day of unbowed heads, unbent knees, and unbroken hearts. Do you know anyone today that is hurting and helpless and hopeless? Does it break your heart? Does it move you to tears? Does it strike a chord of compassion in your heart? Jude 22 and 23 tells us, And some, having compassion, made a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, pulling them from the fire. It's time we start pulling people from the fire. William Carey was a, was a shoe worker. William Carey was the beginner of the American army before it went wicked. And William Carey was um, a shoemaker in the little village of Moulton, England. And on a couple of occasions, he... Uh, he 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 would talk about this stuff, and 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 and, and it is. It's set, they say that that room where Carrie worked out of was just a little room, with a window on one end that looks out into the street of the little English village, and it said that Carrie worked on shoes, and as William Carey worked on shoes, he would look out that window and see more than the people passing by. Said he would see a world in need of a savior. And Carrie, we know, if you don't know, Carrie was able to serve as a missionary in India. And he's known as the father of the modern missionary movement. He didn't live to be 30 years old. So I'm telling you something is that your impact on this life needs to happen now. Needs to happen now. And according to a lot of views today... There are over 8 million people in this world, right? 8 billion people in this world. And some say that over half of those are dying, have never heard about Jesus. Over half of them. Isn't it amazing? All I'm telling you this morning is that the two largest churches in the world are Mormons and Muslims. And neither one of them to believe in Jesus. They, neither one of them shared the true gospel. And I, I'm just telling you, friends, outside these walls is a world that is lost and dying and on its way to hell. 
It's lost and it's dying and it's on its way to hell and it's in need of a Savior. And two, make it even more real, some of those may be your only friends. They might be your family. They might be a loved one. And compassion makes a difference in every single place, every single problem, and every single person. It will make a difference in their life if you'll have compassion. Their faith was a compassionate faith. Their faith was a costly faith. It was a costly faith. Now look in verse 4. The Bible says, And when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, now you tell me this. Who paid for the roof? I mean, the money had to come from somewhere. I mean, didn't it? I mean, I'd say it had to come from somewhere. Jesus didn't have homeowners homeowners insurance. I mean, someone had to pay for the damage that was on the roof. And I, I don't know if these four men got the bill or what, I, but, it, but it seems they would have been willing to do so for the friend. They loved him that much. I mean, does your, does your faith cost you anything? Would you be willing to pay the price no matter what the cost to make a difference in the life of another? Would you? Would you be willing? Would you be willing to take the bill in order for someone else to get to Jesus? Is it a costly faith? Their faith was a compassionate and costly faith. Their faith was a courageous faith. And we read verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, they must have been something in particular that caught the eye of Jesus. Think about it. Was it the climbing of the roof? How in the world did they get that man up there? Some say A.T. Robinson, A.T. Robertson suggests that they climbed up a little stairway on the outside or a ladder to the flat tile roof and dug out or broke up the tiles on the roof. I have no clue, but I'll just tell you something. is that they, It was pretty courageous. I mean, it was pretty courageous, I'd say, and, and, and they were so courageous that they tore the roof off of a stranger's house to get their friend to Jesus. We'll barely open a door and go knock on one. We get the idea that these four men refused to take no for an answer. They refused to not be let inside the door. Think about it. And they, they would not be denied. They would not be deterred. They would not be delayed. They were willing to overcome any obstacle because friends don't leave friends behind. Friends don't leave friends behind. But they had a compassionate, costing, courageous faith. The, the man that was, and because of all that, the man was redeemed spiritually. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven you. And Jesus ministered to the man. He ministered to the man's greatest need first. And, and his greatest need was not having the ability to walk, but his greatest need was the necessi- necessity of being right with God. He needed to be right with God first. And because and, and friends don't let friend, don't leave friends behind. And they got their friend to Jesus. And once he was forgiven spiritually, he was restored physically. Rise, take up that bed. 
and go thy way into thine house. And immediately arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, glorified God, saying, We've never seen it on this fashion. The compassionate, costly, and courageous faith of his friends. He came through the roof with his head. One, one preacher said he came through the roof with his head on the bed, but he walked out through the door with his bed on his head. Isn't that good? Amen. And friend, I'm telling you this morning, I don't know, I don't know where you are, but I believe this with all of my heart. Someone who is unconcerned about the lost is either cold on God or lost themselves. That's the truth. That's the truth. And I'm telling you this morning, how could we not care? How could we not share? Hell is hot. Heaven is sweet. God is love. And Jesus saves. Why do we not care? I want to say we do. But why do we not care like we should? We can't, these new, this news of being saved is way too good to keep to ourselves. And to that one friend or family member or loved one or co-worker or classmate, it will make all the difference in the world when the world comes to the end. That decision, you telling them about Jesus, will make the world a difference. Billy Sunday said this, let's quit fiddling with religion and do something to bring the world to Christ. Friends, don't let, leave friends behind. Friends, don't leave friends behind. I don't know if you need to pray this morning, but could you come play for a second? I just want to, if you, if you need to pray, if you need to get saved, get saved. I know it's been a totally different service this morning, but God knows what he's doing and we're just going to trust him. But if you need to pray, you pray. But if you just need to pray for somebody, do us good. Dear Lord, I love you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Lord, I pray, God, for the lost that's in here this morning. I pray you'd save them. Lord, friends don't let friends die lost. Friends don't. Lord, friends don't do that. Friends don't leave friends behind. Lord, help us to get a better burden, and Lord, a better heart. Lord, that we would tell others about you more. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name.